0: hey patrick welcome to uh galaxy quest or dialogue quest or what are we calling it now do you remember uh
1: dialogue uh uh, galaxy dialogue (laughs) yeah Uh, i don't don't know man
0: (laughs) galaxy dialogue welcome to galaxy dialogue how you doing this week
1: Good, good. I can't think of our name because I just keep thinking of Outer Worlds, actually.
0: Our worlds? <laughs> outer Worlds. Oh, Outer Worlds. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, we'll have to talk about that today.
0: Uh, I don't know. Probably not. No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, well, what do you want to talk about? Oh, I got, uh, well, uh, do you want to do some follow-up or how do you want to kick things yeah. off?
0: Yeah, let's uh, let's complain about some gaming companies. How about that?
1: I love it, um, and we can pick the usual suspects. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, Be- Bethesda, uh, mm-hmm. over the week, announced a monthly sub for Fallout 76. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the problem is, <clears throat> they're and the sub is called, uh, I think it's called Fallout First. Mm-hmm. and uh, But they're really lazy about purchasing domains and <laughs> didn't get FalloutFirst.com. Yes. so it was purchased by someone who made like a parody of their uh, their their announcement page and it's pretty hilarious actually. They just totally mock the thing, which is abysmal. I mean it doesn't need to be parodied um, but the, the the parody site has collected over a thousand bucks on GoFundMe uh, <laughs> just to keep the hosting uh, and, and domain going nice yeah pretty hilarious but the sub itself is laughable it's abysmal i can't believe that bethesda's doing this to be honest but i mean it's really stuff that
0: i love it i just loaded it up fallout first fuck you first member fucked
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) mm-hmm Yep. That's falloutfirst.com. It's, uh, it's pretty hilarious, but yeah, it's a twelve ninety nine a month or a hundred dollars a year subscription, which basically gets you uh, some improvements that the community base was asking for, for, you know, the few that have really stuck around despite, uh, you know, despite this shitty game hoping to see improvements so bethesda does all this polling around what they'd like to see they gather this information and they pick two of the big ones and just stuff it behind a paywall which is one private worlds for you and your friends you can have up to eight people in a Hmm. uh, uh, private world just a private server Um, a scrap box which uh, is unlimited storage for crafting components which Uh, the player base was asking for i'm sure they weren't asking for it behind a 12.99 a month paywall (laughs) but uh a survival tent for placeable fast travel point uh 106 uh or 1650 atoms which is like a a month which is like their their little in-game currency so it's kind of like hey We'll give you a little bit of this money back, I guess. But the problem is their shit's so expensive in the stores, I guess. Like, this 650 or 6, 1650 uh gets you, like, uh, an emote pack. You know what I be- mean? Like, like, yeah. It's the equivalent of, like, three pieces of cosmetic items a month, maybe. Or, like, uh, less than a full cosmetic suit. Like, the mm. full getup. Wow. uh so well, and what, i thought
0: i had read somewhere um in one of the comments and about this controversy it, that bethesda had promised early on when monetizing fallout 76 that uh the only thing that they would monetize would be cosmetics and not features
1: yeah yeah they did well that's a big thing and they they broke that rule already i think they started offering like med packs or something in the, uh, but now they've, they've totally doubled down on breaking that rule. They're saying, Hey, these, these two super useful things, um, you know, that would really improve quality of life were, and you've been asking for, we've polled you a bunch and asked you, we're going to give you those, but now you have to pay us 12 99 a month, which is hilarious. Uh, The only other things you get with that is a a really ugly-looking skin and a uh, icons and emotes pack. Like, it's really stupid. I think about, like, if I were a player waiting for this game to improve, I've stuck around for months, uh, just a diehard fan, and I filled out polls, the company's asking me, I'm leaving feedback, and then they decide they're going to, they're going to take our ideas and put them behind a 1299 paywall for a game that's already paid and and those things feel like they, you ever play uh like uh oh god uh Aeon's End or some other free to play MMOs yeah. yep yeah like a lot of the time they'll um like uh put put uh inventory behind a paywall mm-hmm. but the the game's free to play right Ye- Right, and so, even
0: Guild Wars uh, was buy to play, and they had some inventory restrictions and stuff that they would uh, were behind a paywall.
1: Yeah, but I, I just uh, I think at twelve ninety nine a month, it's just mm-hmm. a horrible value proposition given the state of the game. I mean, with it just being not even worth its its money now, you know, and and gamers waiting for them to develop it into something worth its time it for them to do that i think is is baloney and then on top of that it comes right after they you know they um pushed back the free dlc expansion they were going to release i forget the name of it mm. but that was their way of saying sorry hey we're going to give you uh this free dlc expansion and then they pushed that back and now they come up with this 12.99 a month bullshit man so
0: i don't know and, uh, th- Another topic there, comment that I'd read uh, surrounding the controversy was someone uh, speculating that Bethesda is in the process of trying to push up their market share or their value to either get themselves ready for a sale or something about the um, – I can't remember the company that uh, owns the majority share in a, it's Providence something – or other, um, but um, that they're possibly looking at selling or or getting rid of their investment into Bethesda, so they're trying to push up their value to either prepare for a sale or to keep their investors. I'm not sure, uh, but I don't know that this is the best way to go about it.
1: Well, and I don't a- think destroying your, your your reputation is the way no. that you get sold. <laughs> you know what I
0: mean? No, I really don't. Think- and- And it seems like all of these big companies are are continually going through this that, uh, I don't know, how many times in the last 10 years have we been burned by some of the companies that we used to hold in such high regard? I mean, there's BioWare, uh, Blizzard now, Bethesda. I mean, at what point can you actually be a fan of any of these companies? Because at some point, you need to expect that they're going to uh, hit this wall where the investors are running them instead of the actual talent. Yeah.
1: Well, Hey, that's why I've been slowly kind of working my way into the indie scene a lot more and staying away from once loved developers. BioWare is a great example. You know, mm-hmm. I would have, what they used to produce, everything would have been a day one purchase for me. Now, not only do I wait often, I don't even buy their games, you know? Right. So, and same with Bethesda now, and uh, there's a number of them, Blizzard, you know. Um, so, yeah, good point, I think. I don't trust yeah. any of these guys once they hit a certain level, um, and, and you just got to wait and see, and it's clear that they're more interested in pursuing uh, the the live service, the, the gravy boat, uh, you know, than, than making really good games.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Uh, Fallout 76, I really don't know a whole lot about it, other than it's it's a multiplayer Fallout 4. Um, I liked, uh, And I liked the Fallout series. I liked New Vegas uh, far and away uh, better than 3. And 4 wasn't horrible. Um, as far as RPG-wise, there wasn't a whole lot of dialogue options. And uh, I don't know, I just felt less a part of the world than I did in other games. Uh, it was much more of a randomized missions and limited dialogue options. It was kind of just a, and I don't know, it felt much more on rails and less connected. Um, but as far as fallout 76, I had absolutely no desire to play it. Um, I, wa- I remember watching the keynote where, uh, it was announced. I think it was at E3 or something. And, uh, i had a little bit of excitement after they they kind of hyped it up there but uh after the strong community backlash right after the launch i never really bothered to look into it
1: yeah you know i i didn't play it either i'm just going by all the countless uh feedback reviews uh you know because i wanted to get interested um Hmm. and but i it was a bethesda was already on wait and see mode with me at that point so i uh because you mentioned vegas fallout new vegas that was done by a different company wasn't it was it obsidian
0: well yeah um yeah it was published by bethesda but all the work was done uh, mostly by obsidian through like a subcontract or something so, yeah,
1: and we'll get into those guys, mm, I bet, mm, in a little mm, bit. But, no, I don't
0: see, think so. <laughs> <laughs> but But
1: that, that's exactly it. And then, uh, so, hearing what a mess this game is, and I'm thinking about the notion of this paywall in $12.99 and what it gives you, it's very clear. You can imagine what those components are because there's a million games out there that offer similar things hmm. at a premium. But... Um, that's more expensive than Game Pass dude. That that's more expensive than a Netflix or Hulu subscription. So they're telling you that they value giving you a ugly skin, icons and emotes pack, a scrap box and a tent and then dedicated servers which should be that should be for everyone. That's total horse shit. I, I just don't see the value, man, and, and I think it's uh, it's just in poor taste with I'm sure how long the leftover players have been waiting for some of these changes to come to fruition. I think the last thing in their minds was the notion that they'd have to pay 13 bucks a month or $100 a year to get some of those
0: things. Right. Um, surprisingly, one of the other – Sources of information I've had on Fallout 76 and actually made me uh, slightly interested in maybe trying it, but I'm continually glad that I never did. Um, is a personality. Uh, his name's Aniro. and uh, he's known as a long-time Final Fantasy personality, going back to Final Fantasy 11 days. He had a podcast called Limit Break Radio uh, that they relaunched. And it was really highly produced, and it was a it was a really great podcast when final fantasy 14 first launched and then through the relaunch um and as time go went he i think he would probably be the only person that would rival uh josh in his hatred for final fantasy 14 (laughs) towards the end (laughs) he got pretty salty there um and so he actually quit uh, Final Fantasy and, and that podcast But um, he'd come back for a couple Appearances and just talked about how Big he was into playing Fallout 76 All the time and how it didn't deserve all the hate um, Fascinating yeah, I'm sure he has has reasons for it and uh, Beyond a few snippets I didn't really dig into it further but it Sounded like he enjoyed it for whatever reason
1: Well yeah I think and You know people like blood sausage Right there's something out there for everyone So <laughs> I don't know. I can't, you know, how far can I criticize the game having not played it? Probably not that far. I'm just looking at the value of this thing dropping on the backs of all these, you know, um, stumbles and embarrassments Bethesda's already have with had with Fallout 76. And it makes me kind of wince. But uh, at the end of the day, I'm not buying this shit. And I'm certainly yeah. not playing it. So, and, and who knows? Maybe, maybe part of me would like it. I have my doubts given the state of things. And unlike you, I didn't really enjoy Fallout 3. I, mm. I just found it a little too clunky and slow, uh, particularly in the combat. Um, and I never played New Vegas, though I heard that was b- better, much better. Uh, and already after playing three being a a massive fan of fallout one and two and tactics back in the day um Mm. three was like oh my god that's a launch day buy for me and i was so disappointed that uh you know i i got close to the end i didn't finish it i didn't pick up i haven't i haven't played a fallout game since
0: since three you should really uh after a potential game you're playing now you should really consider trying uh new vegas i bet you can get a really cheaper pc and get some graphical mods and i think you'd really enjoy the uh the story there
1: yeah i've heard a lot of good things about mm-hmm. new vegas and after playing Outer worlds uh i might do that <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. so how much does this new bethesda and i mean so they've got fallout 76 gaffes and um whatever's going on with this now. Uh, They launched earlier this year the Elder Scrolls Blades mobile game, which, again, looked really great in the presentation, and I played for maybe 10 minutes and uh, completely lost interest. So they're falling into the same mobile game trap that... uh, Well, I guess not trap. I'm sure they're making money hand over fist on it. Um, But still, eh, not really appealing to us core gamers. How are these types of things tempering your expectations or excitement for, uh, Elder Scrolls six.
1: Extremely, especially knowing they're going to use the same engine. Uh, the, mm-hmm. what are they? The creation engine, I think it is, which has been around for a while. Um, say, I want to say it's seven years old, six, seven years old, mm-hmm. but I think it was just, um, uh, it just, a, like a, a, new evolution of an engine that already used for oblivion. Um, but it, the, the, it's old, and it's mm. buggy, and the bugs, I guess, have persisted, still persist in the engine that have been there since its existence, and then I think of the game visually, just uh, uh, Bethesda's games, and man, they're starting to look really dated, so I look at that that sci-fi game, I forget the name of, that they're working on, and then mm-hmm. Elder Scrolls Six, and Howard flat out said they're using the same engine the creation engine. So that already has me uh a little worried um to say the the, uh, least.
0: the sci-fi game uh, Starfield I just started up. Um is that supposed to come out before uh, Elder Scrolls?
1: I think so, but I could be wrong. I mm-hmm. I don't know.
0: I think um, that's that's what I heard as well. I could be yeah. wrong. Yeah.
1: But again, it's using the creation engine, and God, if if there's anything wrong with the creation engine, it's the combat, man. I just, mm-hmm. it's so awful. It, has, just,
0: it just really doesn't have any weight into it.
1: No, it's just you know, look at look at the game, even away the you know the uh, the fluidity and
0: smoothness
1: of like a Destiny 2's combat, mm-hmm. man. Even something like. Outer Worlds, but, you know, something really smooth, like Destiny 2. Uh, it's like, man, can you imagine going back from Destiny 2 to just Fallout 3 or whatever they do with the creation of, Fallout 76, or, you know, it's like, oh, man, God, it's so clunky and slow and and, and just... Yep.
0: it's not 2019 2020 engine and as long as it's been since a the last elder scrolls title um you think it's really deserve i think it's really deserving of at least a, a major update to that engine or some kind of overhaul because um i hope we don't just get another skyrim in a new setting with slightly better graphics and more or less the same mechanics. And probably, judging by their more recent games, less dialogue options, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly,
1: exactly. And that's, to me, look, I, dude, I adored Oblivion when it came out. And I I mm-hmm. beat the snot out of that game. It was fun as heck. I had never seen anything like it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just beautiful. The load times were atrocious. But I, the game was so good, I didn't care about all that. Yep. So much. I
0: even had a uh, a glitch where I lost like 30 or 40 hours of progress on Oblivion and I couldn't care less about having to go back and repeat it. It didn't bother me. Well, it did bother me, but not to the extent that I didn't go back and spend 200 hours into a new save.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Now, that was a heck of a game. Now, when Skyrim came around, I was like, man, you know, the load times aren't as abysmal as Oblivion. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> looks a little bit better. But it feels just a little bit too much like Oblivion to me. And, um, you know, I had some uh, interesting mechanics and stuff. But at the end of the day, I I made it about three quarters of the way through. Mm -hmm. um, Did some random exploring, getting some unique items, putting them in my house, watching them glitch and disappear. And then I quit for good. Mm -hmm. And to think of, um, you know, another, yet another Elder Scrolls game using that same engine... Shit, man. I don't know. Uh like you said, I think I think they need to do something totally different, especially mm-hmm. if they want to reinvigorate the franchise, which the IP still holds a lot of weight, you know. Uh there's still people who are massive fans of Morrowind uh mm-hmm. wandering out there. So yep. the, the IP is worth a lot and I hope they don't just bury it in the ground by releasing uh Skyrim. or Oblivion 3.0, which is what, you know, so.
0: The the one thing that I think, if there's anything that can be a benefit of sticking with that same engine, is that all of the modders out there for Bethesda Games will be already familiar with uh, the engine and will be able to swoop in and fix whatever the uh, bugs will be at launch because you know they'll be there.
1: Yeah, I know, it's hilarious. It feels like the modders do more work on their engine than they do. Mm-hmm. which is sad, but uh, I don't know. I Right now, neither of the the upcoming Bethesda titles are very high on my radar. I'll keep an eye, and I'll look at what happens after launch, but I don't have high hopes, to be mm-hmm. honest, which kind of sucks.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, um... Let's move on to g- gaming news, I guess. I mean we could hit on this for a while longer, but uh why don't you tell me about this uh this speech that you saw at Cornell?
1: Yeah, yeah, so I think it was the week before last. I didn't run into it until this week, mm-hmm. but thought it was cool on a whim I uh googled uh, Reggie Feame to see what he was up to, uh which is pathetic, but I just uh you <laughs> there's you, nothing
0: you, pathetic about that. How can you, you not love Reggie?
1: You know me, dude. I'm just such a Reggie and Nintendo fanatic. So I, I did a, a quick Google and saw that he, he gave a speech at Cornell um and so i watched a good chunk of it uh just through some bits of record uh, recorded bits through the audience i don't think i don't know that cornell or or he you know put out an official release or anything i think it was just audience members uploading part of the speech but uh, he was talking about diversity in the workplace and how his memes came about um you know and how you can't force those things so yeah he was asked like How how does that affect the company and business, and is it something you can leverage? And he's like, well, you can't really quantify (laughs) how many more games you sell by the success of a meme, and you can't force these things. Uh, Mm -hmm. So he confirmed that the body is ready thing was like just him being him. And yeah. it just turned into a thing. So, uh, and then of course he couldn't get out of there with someone not bugging him about mother three coming to the West.
0: Oh and, man, of course.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, uh, yeah, well on that, I don't have to make those choices anymore. So,
0: <laughs>
1: and that was that, but it, it was, it was good to hear him talking. I yep. still wish you were in the industry cause his personality is just fun, man.
0: Yep. No, oh, yeah. No. And, uh, yeah, I don't think there's anything bad to say about Reggie. Uh, maybe he left at a good time, but I'm with you. It'd be really nice to see him still there. And nothing against uh, Bowser, whoever's running the place now. But, uh, yeah, it just uh, you wait every year for those Treehouse uh, or E3 events to, for Reggie to get up, and hopefully something fun comes out of it.
1: Yeah, well, I still remember the first one where he was like, yeah, it was so absurd. He comes on his first ever E3s like, I'm about kicking ass and <laughs> making games or whatever it was. Yep. I was like, all right, man. Yep. Uh, But now he's a fun personality. I was bummed to see him go. Bowser, I don't think, will have the same personality. Yet. I think the only um, thing he carries is the irony of his name coming yep. into uh, the Mushroom Kingdom. So. Yeah
0: yep Uh, i agree so uh ubisoft had a pretty rough week uh from what i'm seeing um which is too bad because uh, apart from some of these points that we'll get to i gotta say as much as a lot of these other companies have uh, been pretty discouraging lately with their business practices i gotta say ubisoft has been pushing out some really good games and seems to have been um, at least on my good side as a gamer lately.
1: I'd echo that. Ubisoft is, uh, you know, just look at, I just finished up Mario and rabbits. Kingdom Battle mm-hmm. there not long ago that was a fantastic game that was an incredible game and uh, there wasn't all kinds of uh, microtransactions or... and then even Division 2 I really in- enjoyed it yeah there was some cosmetics you could buy and blah 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 and I haven't followed with the state of it I haven't played in over a month mm-hmm. but uh, on launch I really enjoyed Division 2 yep. uh, I've enjoyed a lot of games that they've been putting out lately but apparently their uh, Ghost Recon Breakpoint sold horribly just abysmally uh not where anywhere near where they expected and division 2 is struggling a little bit i guess with uh sales numbers too so uh it they fell really uh really low under their own expectations and it was it was kind of a rough week for them they got beat up for it
0: mm-hmm. yeah i Uh, I think one of the things that that may be affecting, and maybe not, maybe this is just my own personal gripe, but um, one of the things that caused me to log into Division 2 less is having to go through their Ubisoft launcher. And, you know, not that I think everything should be on Steam, but everything should be on Steam. Uh, But it does make things a lot easier than having... And it was the same thing with the EA launcher and... To, to boot into that, to launch Madden now? Is it a big deal? No, not really. And could something like the uh, GOG Galaxy single launcher help solve some of this stuff? Maybe. But, man, all these extra launchers for everything uh, isn't always a better way to get exposure for your games, I don't think.
1: No, no, and, well, there I have two sentiments on that, and that's a good point. One, please let this segue next week into us talking about launchers i Let's would love it. that okay sweet i've been it's been something i've been really wanting to talk to you about at length for a while but hmm. on that note i forgot i forget half these launchers exist and therefore i'm not looking at my library of games and then i'm doing something else like uh, to exactly to your point uh here's an example i Recently, overhauled my PC. I installed, I thought, all the launchers. I have Origin, I have GOG, I have Epic, I have Battle.net, uh, and obviously, I have Steam. And I forgot about Ubisoft. Mm-hmm. So I totally just forgot. I forgot, and I haven't looked at my Ubisoft list. Subsequently. And I just haven't been playing any of their games. Uh, So I think there's a a certain, and granted, there's other games too that really, but I think I would at least weigh the decision closer. Do I play Disco Elysium or Rocket League or or Outer Worlds? Or, or, you know, uh, maybe I don't feel like it. Maybe I'm going to play some uh, Division 2. But it's just never, it's like so far beyond the back of my mind that I just don't think about it.
0: Hmm. yep no and i think that that affected at least my login uh uh, you know sit down and relax and uh, it's not the first thing i think of going to is the ubisoft launcher so
1: yeah same that, here i can put rocket league on steam and zone out
0: yep <laughs> yep and uh well same for and i think that's helped with my destiny logins too is having it on steam and not going through the blizzard app and everything else and Actually, uh, I didn't have any games I was playing on Blizzard, so I just completely removed it, so.
1: Oh, there you go. Uh, mm-hmm. actually, funny you mentioned that. I don't either anymore,
0: mm-hmm. so
1: I may just install uninstall the, uh, Net uh, mm-hmm. launcher.
0: Mm-hmm. So, but, uh, yeah, back on Ubisoft, I don't really know. I think they're doing well, at least as far as pushing out decent good products, um, especially with that Rabbids game. Um, I think back years ago, it kind of felt like to me that they were kind of stretching the Assassin's Creed franchise a little much. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah but, I would agree. And I haven't played any of the recent ones, but by all accounts, I hear they are really, really great games. So maybe they've course corrected on that a little bit. Um, and I think that them coming out and being transparent about uh, not meeting their financial expectations are also a positive move so I don't know I think they continue doing what they're doing what do you think
1: I agree uh, they're making quality games uh, I think they were in a rut uh, you could see that with the uh, you know that patch of mediocrity with some of their they with the fall or the far cry series even it was far cry it was the crew <clears throat> excuse me it was Far Cry, The Crew, Assassin's Creed. It was all these middling, muddy, you know, experiences. And since then, and I think that's maybe when they really—I don't—I wouldn't say that's when they started with the whole games as a service thing, but they were in a in a, a muddy spot for a while. And I think since then. They've kind of uh, certainly improved. They've they put a lot more quality into a lot of their recent releases. So mm-hmm. I think if they keep doing that, they'll be fine. And maybe they need to stop fixating on games as a service. Obviously, Division 2, I thought was a very good game, but it mm-hmm. didn't have to be games as a service. You know, they right. could have released a few bits of DLC maybe and then moved on, let it live and die, you know, go do something else. So trying to stretch all these games out, you know, for, yeah. for into two, three-year experiences, and now you get to log on to the Division 2 every day and Ghost Recon and all their games. Uh, what was, uh, you know, The Crew 2, whatever, whatever you're playing. Right. Uh, Far Cries or it, just make a game. If you want to add to it, that's cool. Mm-hmm. But I, I just think they put themselves in a weird spot when they make all their games a live service. You know mm-hmm.
0: what I mean? Yep. I agree and everybody's doing it and I don't know a good solution for it. I would recommend that we try to vote with our wallets to push for more good single player experiences and less of this uh, microtransaction uh, service models. But (laughs) it doesn't, I don't know that that's going to make any bit of difference because apparently there is tons of money in that, environment and i would be surprised if bethesda doesn't make money hand over fist with their subscription regardless of i know everything but else such and a that's so depressing frustrating
1: thought it is so frustrating man it's like you know gamers as consumers have some of the least restraint i've ever seen you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's just, just when incredible it comes to
0: pr- pre-ordering or microtransactions or you know horse armor dlc you name it uh we're we'll, we'll very vocal about it, but we eat whatever they feed us anyway.
1: Exactly, that's just it. We, we gripe and piss and moan, and then we input our uh, PayPal login or our credit card, you know yeah. so
0: yep, and uh, I'm still what confuses me a little bit is how strong these companies are fighting for trying to capitalize every second of our time. And I think that's where these games of a service are really becoming more and more popular because they want you to log in every day so that they can get as much of your time out of you as they can. And beyond my own personal uh, effects on on my personal life with losing all that time into these gaming worlds, I just don't understand. I, I guess if you're spending money on it, that's great. But it's the same thing with Netflix and Hulu and everything else. I mean... Uh, And you put that in there for talking about uh, follow, but regardless, all these companies are vying for your attention. Why does Netflix care if I watch 100 hours of shows a month or not if I'm paying my sub? Right. And the same with these games. Why do they care if I log in every day? I don't know.
1: Well, for the games, I think, what it sets up is this thing of, hey, I've invested all these hours. Look at all these hours. This that's day, true. You know. So guess what? I'm cool with paying them more money. Mm-hmm. So I think the more, plus I have all this invested time, I think the more people invest time in a game, the more willing they are to shell out for some extras. And that's where they can swoop in With the microtransactions and on top of that DLC and on top of that, a monthly subscription and and get more money out of people if they can just keep them keep them
0: holding on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess it makes sense. But well, um, something that's not a game as a service that uh, we might need after sitting around playing video games and drinking beer for the next 10 years, uh, Ring Fit Adventure. Ooh, uh, yeah. Number I heard one selling things. game in Japan.
1: Get out of here. I, yeah. Wow. Top the charts. I, I heard good things about it. I heard it's actually legitimately fun. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know much about it. I know what it comes with. A hardware accessory, a ring. Mm-hmm. I hear it's got like some pretty neat, almost RPG-like elements to it. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, and I guess it's uh, it's rated pretty well. Probably yeah. the best uh, for an exercise uh, type game. Uh, I don't know, maybe ever. I don't know. Uh, but I'm s- still shocked it's number one in Japan.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I uh, that came across my newsfeed that it topped the charts. Um, I never really paid much attention to it. I thought it looked kind of gimmicky, but meh. Hey, maybe it's it's something pretty decent. I don't know.
1: I heard it was from a gameplay perspective. It's not like Wii Fit, or I hear it's it's uh, not that those were horrible experiences, but they weren't right. outstanding by any means. Um,
0: yeah. I don't know. I had the Wii Fit board and. Uh, actually did some of the yoga poses and stuff on that and talk about hurt. Uh, oh yeah. Yep. They uh they had me standing in some pretty precarious uh ways that caused a lot of pain the next day.
1: That's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um I did we fit you or we you fit or whatever yep. <laughs> whatever. whatever. And uh it was okay, but uh, I even, I went full bore. I got the tracker, the counter. Oh, wow. For my, and, uh, you know, but the, yeah, just the, some of the exercises were just, in games, they just weren't that appealing. I don't know. But I've heard good things about this ring bearer or whatever it is. So.
0: Ring, ring fit adventure. Ring bearer. Yeah. It uh, Frodo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so yeah. Maybe. How much is it anyway?
1: Uh, that's the that's i thought about getting it after i saw the really positive reviews i think it's like 90 bucks dude man yeah it's a, a bit steep
0: now. yeah it 80 bucks but still that is a little bit okay
1: steep. yeah that's ew. yeah it's a bit much it's a bit much for me right now because i get some other games uh that i'm into like uh <clears throat> Outer Worlds, so... Oh. <clears throat> Let's <clears throat> talk about
0: it. So what is this game? I haven't heard of it.
1: Yeah, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what do you think? You go first. I want to hear oh, right.
0: so, uh Well, yeah, okay, I'll start first because I haven't really spent a whole lot of time with it. Uh, I've got maybe three hours in. I'm not very far. Um, but I did get a little bit of time with it this weekend, and I'm super into it. Um, It has all of the best things that I loved about the older Fallouts in a new universe that seems really fun to explore. Uh, The dialogue is great. Um, It seems like the dialogue options are what you would expect from uh, the developer Obsidian. Um, I'm really excited to see Obsidian making their own games, and um, I was a little hesitant and worried when I heard that they were bought out by Microsoft, uh, just because... I didn't want to see things stuck on the Xbox platform, uh, but uh, Microsoft's been great lately. Uh, all their games are also on PC, uh, this one included, and man, um, the gunplay is fun, the, uh, the slowdown VATS-like uh, combat thing seems cool, I'm just, I can't wait to dig in further and see what it's all about.
1: Yeah, for sure. I I've been hooked. I I played a bunch. I, I think I'm almost halfway done. Maybe a third, but I don't know for sure. But I've s- put some hours already. And mm-hmm. one, I would I would have I was also initially worried, but yeah, you know, uh, with uh, Obsidian being bought out by Microsoft. But it's a cross-platform game. It's on the PS4. It's on PC and Xbox, obviously. It's even coming to the Switch. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting with them being owned by Microsoft that uh, it's it's a cross-platform game. But yeah. um, I love it, and, and for people who don't know, uh, Obsidian not only did they do New Vegas, they did Neverwinter Nights 2, uh, Pillar, the Pillars of Eternity games, uh, Stick of Truth, so they had some experience building some quality games. Mm. But it is cool for them to, and and to exactly, you, you can't play this game without drawing comparisons to Fallout. Uh, right. And to me, it's like exactly what I wanted Fallout to be. Where it wasn't, and mind you, I'm not talking about New Vegas because I didn't play that one. Mm-hmm. But it's like all the the dialogue is is clever and fun. It's almost like Borderlands meets Fallout. Um, the combat is 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 fast enough, and you have got some comrades with you. You can equip. It's a mm-hmm. uh, it's a really great game, and, and in fact. Uh, where to begin? Okay, right from the beginning, character customization. It's a sci-fi shooter RPG, if you will, looter shooter, um, I don't, however you want to classify it. I don't want to get into a whole debate go all over again about is it, is it an MMO? Might be. It might be an MMO. <laughs> Maybe. Um, but it, it starts out with you create your character, and, and there's a lot of depth there. You can mess with the eyes, the jawline um hair color facial hair all that stuff uh but then the next screen is the important one which is the stat screen Mm -hmm. and the whole time i most games you know you can sort of just you know pick your style and go with it but the stats that you pick whether Stealth-based stuff, with which is sneaking and and lockpicking, or your science-based stuff, engineering, and um, or or combat, melee combat or ranged combat, they really end up mattering because um, Outer Worlds puts you in these situations that test your stats mm-hmm. uh, time and time again. It's not just an afterthought. It's not tacked on. You. Come across shit that needs to be hacked or lockpicked or uh, brute forced or, you know, all the time. Uh, dialogue. I'm so glad I put uh, some points in dialogue because mm. that saved my butt. So there's so many dialogue options that open up. Um, so the stats were really important and it's already like halfway through, I'm thinking I'm going to end up playing this game more than once, Mm -hmm. um, just to see, you know, how things pan out if I, if I take a different approach, but it does an incredible job with that. And then right out of the gate, you can tell whoever's they've got for writers over at Obsidian, they're good. Mm -hmm. They're really good. It's a well-written game. Um, you know, it's it's funny, it's clever, it's smart. The writing is smart. Um, the characters are interesting. Uh, it really reminds me of like the best of Borderlands, mashed into what feels like obviously, it, 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 it feels like a Fallout game in its setting and some of the graphics. It's got that. I don't know. You'd call it that retro tech. Uh, But in the future kind of look, you know, with the Mm -hmm. uh, all the computers are big and clunky. Um, And so it's going to draw comparisons, but it's not quite and it's a looter shooter. I don't know. RPG, if that's what you want to call. But it's it's just really great. The writing's fantastic. And then the combat, you know, it, it makes me not miss targeting limbs and and slow stopping everything you granted you can stop things but it's kind of like a bullet time type effect you can slow things down with an ability that you have and then just start you know shooting up the place and Uh, and
0: those those uh targeted shots still have effects of crippling or blinding or whatever else but it's less uh stop um oh what do you call it turn-based than uh, than uh, like the Fallout VAT system is still an action based just slows things down right
1: yeah it's all free form if you will free time real time combat mm. where if you yeah there's headshots and limb shots all that that that's all there but you, it doesn't slow the the combat down to uh, a crawl you know what I mean mm. um so I love all that and then uh it's just It proves that you don't – the game really does well with packing a lot into little, smaller spaces. And it's not a small game by any stretch, but it's not an open, open world game. It's not a massive sprawl. Uh, You've got kind of these micro pockets of different planets and stuff.
0: Which in my limited experience with it, just my couple hours, I almost prefer that because you can tell time was taken – into designing each little pocket that you're into and there are hidden gems to find and it's uh it's not like a uh a massive map where it's more randomly generated with some interesting spots here and there
1: exactly precisely i think this is a good showing of why you can you know you can smaller can be better because you'll find things that are purposely placed in some really strategic spots. Uh, the the maps are just well-developed and, and it rewards you for going out of your way because they were smart enough to say, Hey, we're going to work in this space and we're going to hide shit intentionally in these hard to find, hard to get to places. So it really feels like, uh, there's a big payoff to exploring whereas sometimes with an open world game you wander for 15 minutes and you just f- find blase copy paste shit there's nothing out there for you you know mm. so they did a good job with that uh the loot the guns vary a lot they get all kinds of different guns and they've got unique items and uh i will say that I you know i've gotten a co- um the same guns or armor a few too many times i kind of wish there's a little bit more variety but there's mm-hmm. a healthy amount and what's cool about the stuff that you do get that's extra is you can sell it or break it down for materials you can use to repair your stuff so right uh, that helps and then uh, or even the, you can tinker with them too and improve mm-hmm. improve your items uh, you can even install mods on your guns, things like that. Again,
0: dependent uh, on your skills as well, right?
1: It's all dependent on your skills, exactly. And then on top of the skills, now, you might get, you might be wearing uh, an, a piece of armor with like 26 armor rating, mm-hmm. but you'll have a piece in your inventory, maybe it's 6 armor rating, but man, it gives you that plus 5 to lock picking which is exactly what you need in this scenario where you're just short on that stat, you pop on that armor, and now you can you can keep going. You can pick that lock and see what's behind the door. So I like uh, most of the items, the armor pieces, um, give you a, a plus or minus to certain stats, usually just plus, but sometimes a minus, plus, a plus. And then uh, you can kind of grow a little bit of a catalog of armors that you can swap around for certain situations, which is kind of cool. But it's very stat dependent. The game's just like, instead of like all the time, you're just, you're, you're challenged on, oh, well, if you would have put a little bit more lock picking, you could have maybe opened this door, but you wanted to go for the brute strength. So now you're maybe better at combat, but you, you couldn't open that door. There's always a trade off. You know, and, and, and even when it comes to dialogue, you know, there's tons of options there if you really put points in dialogue. So I love that. It really says these stats matter. They did a good job with that.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh. Seems like a great game. <coughs> um, it, and just my couple hours into it, uh, I've always, I haven't gotten around to the pillars of eternity games, but the, I've been interested in them. I've got one sitting in my steam account. Um, And I'm thinking in all my free time with my huge backlog that I'll probably want to get to that at some point, too.
1: Oh, yeah, me too. Same here. I actually haven't really played them either. But I started the first one, Mm -hmm. got distracted like I always do. Mm -hmm. uh, Because from what I understand, these are really robust games. Uh, They're going to take some time. But right now, um, I'm very, very impressed with uh, Obsidian and what they did with Outer Worlds, and I think in the face of all this Bethesda nonsense and Fallout 76, mm-hmm. yeah, I wonder. Like Obsidian must be kind of chuckling to themselves. Like, yep. look, it wasn't you know, it wasn't that hard to make uh, a successor to Fallout that really works.
0: Right. So, yeah, I agree, and and it is nice uh, that we have all these options as gamers. That when these big companies that we uh, we hope will come through with our favorite franchises uh, eventually become investor driven uh, failures <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that we have uh, other options to turn to. And in this case, a really close option in the outer worlds.
1: I agree. Yeah, totally. I love that. I think, uh, you know, there's always, uh, you know, th- when there's a need, it seems like an indie company steps up, you know, mm-hmm. where triple A's are failing or there's a need in a genre, a spiritual, you know, people are begging for a successor. You get a spiritual successor from a really good indie developer. So, you know, to like, um, you know, Symphony of the Night and uh, was one of my all time favorite games. I beat it five, six times. And, um, and then obviously we got Bloodstained. Yep, and that really did it for me that was perfect i thought man this was as good or better than uh, konami giving me symphony of the night 2 this yep. was fantastic and so yeah to your point i think um it the, we're in a really healthy spot a fun spot with our hobby because there's always someone filling filling that niche or itch for what you're looking for
0: yep i agree uh if there's any downside to the spot that we're in is there are just so many games to play. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it isn't even like it was even ten years ago where you could have a list of your favorite games that you're excited about right now. It's just there's too many games and the backlog just keeps growing and, easy and to the time to
1: play keeps shrinking. shrinking.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, we talked about that already. Uh, last yeah. Week.
1: yeah. Well it's why I think I don't know about you man, but it's why it's rare you know a game has to be really good for me to end up completing it because the mm. minute i get torn away to to go you know do
0: my go to the next one yeah
1: or or even just to take a break to to be the dad i need to be and and uh, to get make sure that all the things my responsibilities that i love or are, are handled sometimes that means taking a break and if um In that break, if if something better came along, well, I'm gone. If that wasn't a great game, I'm moving on. So, I, I, there are a lot, a lot of games in the last five years or so that I've started, maybe even got halfway through, maybe further, and just didn't, just Mm -hmm. didn't get, get to finish, you
0: know? And, and I struggle with that a lot because you feel great after finishing a game, but really, does it really matter? I mean, if you're not feeling a game, if you're not that excited to go back and play it, why sit there and and and, uh, guilt yourself over it? Because both of us have huge backlogs and everybody's got tons of games to play. So uh, if you're not feeling something, move on to the next game and maybe you come back to that game another time. Maybe you don't. Who cares?
1: i agree i think it's nonsense to get all like worried about whether you finish it or not i think
0: mm-hmm.
1: just do play what you want and if something else comes along that you're really into then jump on that and if you end up going back to the other stuff great and if you don't life moves on you know <laughs> it's yep. not, yeah not a- at the, the end,
0: end of the one. day it's it's leisure time and uh why well, beat yourself up for not being a completionist
1: yep just have fun with it
0: unless it's fire emblem which i really need to
1: finish Oh, God! I know, man. But that game, <laughs> dude, I'm already like that's a game I have a hard time not guilting myself because each playthrough with the th- is a different story, it's, right? And it's
0: just such a great game. It was it I was so still good. blown away by how good that was. I was not expecting it to be as good as it is. Mm-hmm. yeah, well, I beat it
1: with one um faction. Mm-hmm. I am just over halfway through with another faction. It's an amazing game. It's it's really amazing. It's long, though. It's long, especially if you want to go through all those three factions. But you know what's a good time? This is what I did. This is what got me through finding time. I would just, when it was time for bed, I would Mm -hmm. lay in bed. I'd let my partner put on her show. Mm -hmm. And then I'd grab my Switch, wiggle my little toes in bed. Mm-hmm. and play in bed for like the 2 hours I'd normally just spend relaxing watching TV mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes I'd stay up a little late um uh, but you know maybe an hour or two longer than I should have but mm-hmm. um you know that nighttime and that, that's why I love the switch man is that flexibility to just turn the TV off let someone else use it and just uh lay in bed and relax and uh play fire emblem it's a perfect game for that it's turn-based it's not super action-oriented you you know you can take your time and then when you're ready to turn the lights out just turn it off and go to bed
0: Mm -hmm. nice speaking of fire emblem too uh, i voted for that uh, for that golden joysticks game of the year
1: so did I. I looked at all the options, and uh, that was the best game I've played this year. So,
0: And I usually don't waste my time voting for stuff like that, but uh, I felt compelled to, to try to bump that one up.
1: Yeah, because I think, I don't know what the sales numbers are, but mm-hmm. I have to imagine the average consumer will have no idea how good that game is.
0: Yep, I agree. Hey, speaking of, uh, you know it would be really fun? Hmm we should do a Dialogue Quest uh, Game of the Year awards.
1: Ooh, that would be fun. Let's put that well, in our notes, man. Yeah, I would that love to for, do that.
0: Yeah, A couple months from now, towards the end of the year, I think that would be great.
1: But better for the end of the year. You know what happened? Like, uh, Xenoblade X was my Game of the Year. Mm. And it wasn't nominated because it came out in December, mm. which was after they. Yeah, that was the cutoff. There's a cutoff, right? Which yep. doesn't make sense. It's like, why don't you just wait till January of the following year? So any game that's released January through December can be considered. You know right. what I mean? So I would love to do that, and I think we should definitely wait till late December, early January, uh, so that we can look at everything that's actually released this year mm-hmm. and uh, see what's going on. Because isn't uh? So you're gonna have the opportunity for this. I won't, but. Um, death strandings coming out next yes
0: clock. it is
1: so that i bet might have something to say about that conversation maybe yeah
0: yeah okay and, i'm gonna and, be honest and, uh, you know that's gonna be on uh josh's wish list and so i just need to push him to get it digitally so that because uh, i grabbed all his digital games through ps4 so oh there you go <laughs> which has worked out great <laughs> Yeah,
1: just make him buy it digitally. Um, yeah. And let me know how it is, because I'll tell you what. Um, I The artistic direction looks crazy and really good. I bet it's going to be like, I feel like there's going to be some tear-jerking moments in that game. But when I look at the gameplay, I'm still a little unsure, man. It looks like a package delivery service simulator. Uh, you know, like... Right. I just don't know. It's like I watch this dude sneak around delivering packages. I'm like, and sure, there's some combat, but uh, you know, it seems like it's gonna be primarily um, stealth, stealth based, mm-hmm. and lots of like delivering. And I'm just, I don't know. This story better be compelling. It's probably gonna be amazing, but uh, we'll <laughs> we'll see. I I just. I wish they'd shown more of the gameplay, I guess. Mm-hmm. But you'll have to tell me how it goes. Um, I will,
0: I will. I'm I'm not sold on it yet either. Um, I think Kojima's great, and I think having uh, very artistic directors like him are a good thing for gaming. But we'll see. I'm waiting to see for sure. Yeah, same so. here. So... Well, you ready for our uh, our big main topic? I don't
1: know, man. Uh, yeah, I think so. I'm pretty excited about this one. I know this one's Can't near lie. and dear to your heart. Um, let you open it up. It's your baby. I'm I'm along for the ride. I'm I'm interested to talk about it because mm-hmm. it is something that I think is important to me. But I know that this one is really important to you, so. All right.
0: I'll try to drive, but I'm, I'm really interested in your, your take on, on all of these things I'm going to talk about too. So, so, uh, to open it up, uh, you're actually the one who, who pushed me to listen to this, uh, came up on your, your feed before mine, but, uh, Edward Snowden, uh, famous CIA whistleblower contractor, um, was on the Joe Rogan podcast last week. Yeah. Yeah. Yep
1: he sure was and that's uh that that was astonishing i
0: i (laughs) was pretty yeah i was pretty surprised and excited to see that um if i can give anything i i've listened to joe rogan i listen to him i would say not infrequently um but usually only when there's someone on there that catches my interest um i don't listen to him every week so i don't know that i'm one that can comment on his typical interview style. But I definitely want to give him credit for his style in interviewing Snowden because he basically just sat there and let Snowden talk for two and a half hours. (laughs) I think Rogan's probably got maybe 15 minutes of of time in that whole podcast.
1: It's funny that you say that because I have the same exact thought. That was actually the most... Besides the content that Snowden delivered, I think mm-hmm. even over that was um, how patient Joe mm-hmm. Rogan was on his own show. He really, it, it man, Snowden could talk. It was funny because Rogan would ask him a question. Yep. And then Snowden would say, okay, okay, yeah, that's in the book, and uh, and I'm going to answer it, but let me give you a 45-minute a preamble <laughs> leading up to that first, you know? Yep. And so you ask him something fairly simple like – Right. You know, when when did you realize? You know, like you, you're kind of uh, yeah. You, know, you
0: needed well, to make this decision. You needed to make that
1: choice, and he's like, "Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, let me start at the beginning again."
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what? Oh my god! Dude. Which was great. Which was amazing. And and Joe, for his uh, credit, didn't need to redirect him by any means. And and I think a lot of it is because Snowden, at this point, is such a uh he, he's so focused on his message and being a public speaker that he knows where he wants to direct the conversation and uh he keeps it on topic uh but again huge credit to rogan for not having to make it all about him and make sure that he got his time in he it was all about the topic at hand for him which is just so refreshing in in media
1: yeah, well, I think in part that's why his show is so popular. Um, he, I've watched a lot of Rogan, uh, and he's very – he doesn't script his stuff out. He, I'm sure he has some sort of basic guide as to what is going on or, or where they're going to go, but it, it's not all scripted. He's very – and it's just a back-and-forth conversation. And I think he understands also that uh, there are some guests that he has – that really need their own room because it's a big deal that, you know, they're, they're there on that, that platform. So,
0: and then uh, there are other guests that he has like Alex Jones that he, oh my, he did have to constantly reel in. Yeah. Cause
1: Alex Jones <laughs> is
0: worried about
1: um, keeping the friggin' frogs gay. <laughs> Alex Jones is out of his mind. Yeah.
0: uh but anyway so, yeah so, i love rogan he's he's good so let's talk about the topic a little bit so um more or less the the big talk on the show was what snowden has been advocating for since uh he came out with the the big revelations through the guardian about the uh, covert CIA data collection programs, um, PRISM, and uh, they go by some other names. But um, in 2013, during the Obama administration, they talked a lot about uh, recording our phone calls and that, well, you know, there was only metadata and it wasn't recording your specific calls and and that it just continued to grow from there. Um, and it appears that the government is using Whatever means possible, not whatever means are legal or necessary, but whatever means are possible to track any bit of data on everybody that they possibly can. And, um, that the way that they've gone about this, um, in violation as, as Snowden's opinion, uh, in violation of the fourth amendment, and in my opinion, a violation of the fourth amendment, uh, But they've gone about this by having a secret interpretation of the law done, submitted to a secret court uh, during the Bush administration, and then continued to be pushed and pursued through every administration since, and expanded upon even during the Obama administration, uh, to continue to collect our data. And, you know, it's... What I constantly hear from people that uh, either don't understand or don't care about this problem is, well, if you're not doing anything wrong, why should you care?
1: Right. That's the biggest argument. Mm -hmm. But I can already – here's one way that it really bothers me. Um, I myself may not be doing anything, but Mm -hmm. look at someone like Snowden who is a whistleblower. Now say – that every, the government has, you know, just about every conversation, everything you Google, they can sniff out someone who's gonna be a potential whistleblower based on what they're saying and doing before they get a chance to tell us what kind of fucked up shit the government's doing. You right. know, and that's my, there's no check for that. That's my biggest concern is that it allows people, not not only that, it, it allows them to dig up things to throw out of context to smear people, whistleblowers. Right. And and that's my biggest concern. It's not for me. If they find out, oh, hey, when I was, you know, 18, I really liked, uh, I, I was in love with, you know, going to Pornhub or whatever. You know, I don't give a hmm. shit. But... The further the implications, one, one, it's our privacy and there's just a fundamental principle behind it. But two, I can see where there could be a lot of real problems with it Mm -hmm. in that when uh, someone does have something negative to to say about the government or something to talk about, about something they're doing, a a whistleblower, where Mm -hmm. the government can be two kind of two steps ahead of them, you know, knowing you know all the dialogue they're they're already engaging to release to the press or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be, and just uh, either one stop it beforehand or dig up stuff that they could spin to just kind of uh like what they tried to do with Snowden, it was always like, what kind of person is Snowden? He's a recluse right. and he had a bad relationship with his mom or whatever it was. Right. I can't
0: you know right. like and, and whatever they can do to tear him down. And he talked about that in the podcast.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's that's the biggest problem is it really puts us in a in a, a far worse state when it mm-hmm. comes to Keeping keeping our government in check, if you will.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that that's the wor- that's one of the worst parts for me, and that's the biggest one of the biggest counter arguments I have to the argument of, uh, well, you know, if you're not doing anything wrong, well, now you have to understand that the notion of what is right or wrong is now held in the hands of the cia you know like what what when someone says well if you're not doing anything wrong what does that really mean what if you know something really important and you want to tell everyone you know
0: yep Uh, no i agree and and we expect that that's fine for our government because hey you're not doing anything wrong but you know imagine that we were governed by China, the Communist Party of China. Right. You know, and putting it in that light is obviously causes you to take a few minutes to to reconsider your position. And if you look at how uh, back and forth our government has been just in the last three terms, I think it's safe to say that um, I don't know. I don't know that that we want to give government all the power and all the trust. One of the qu- the quotes that Snowden said was that that made a lot of sense was that we expect these uh, politicians to be working for us and serving us, and that we have the privacy and we have the power, and they're the public, right? We're the private citizens, and thus they have no cause to be investigating everything we do, and they are the public servants. So right. we have every cause to be investigating everything they do and up to and including tax returns that some people refuse to release and why people can defend them not doing that I have no idea.
1: Well see here you're you're on to something else that's really important to me. We talk about exactly how we, we no longer look at our government as public servants. We look at them as this large entity beyond our control which is mm-hmm. what they want us to believe I'm sure in a certain way and when i say they i, I don't mean collectively i just mean it 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 works out for them well you know mm-hmm. what i mean so there'd be no reason to to kind of change that up but if you look at what happened with epstein for example mm-hmm. now imagine that this guy has all kinds of connections to important and wealthy people um And then he ends up dead. And it's like, well, where's where's the just massive amount of digging the CIA can do to any one of us to figure out, you know, who was was party? Where's the accountability? Right. Exactly. But sure, you have some random guy like Edward Snowden who start, you know, whoever. Um, they can find whatever they need to, but mm-hmm. with something like uh epstein or or who might have connections to powerful people, well the system's not used in that case. so there's a clear uh it's clear that that technology is one-sided and that is that is worrying. that's scary. I think it can be used against the average person mm-hmm. and it can be used to or or not used. Uh, to, to protect, you know, people in power. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm not comfortable with it for those kinds of reasons.
0: Yep. And so beyond the just the, the constant data collection that's being done on us um, through our phones and our email and other devices, I think it's just crazy how it's become just socially acceptable to share every detail about your life, on plat- on social media on platforms like facebook and twitter and instagram and everything else and and not that i'm not guilty of it of posting pictures of myself or saying hey i'm going out to eat or whatever but it's just in such a short amount of time it's become a social obsession for people to post every detail about their life and to what end and what point and and what benefit do any of us gain from that I don't I, I don't
1: think we do um, no.
0: now these companies collecting data about everything we buy and talk about and ask for recommendations about and check in at they they get a lot of benefit from this,
1: oh, sure they do. They can uh then sell all that information to advertisers mm. um you know they there's a lot to get in fact, oh boy, I'm hesitant to say this. Let me see. I might have mentioned this before. Let me think for a moment. You you keep talking and there's something I want to think on mentioning.
0: Okay. So, uh, beyond the the oversharing and and people posting everything about their lives on on social media, um, obviously we're tracking our own Google search history, um and our Amazon history and and, and speaking about Snowden right now, I've uh, I'd like to go pick up his book. And i am actually got the Amazon page loaded now, but I'm hesitant because the purchase would be tracked to my Amazon forever. And, and not that I care that the U.S. government or anyone uh, knows that I purchased his book or that I'm talking about it now or whatever, who gives a shit? But it, just the fact that it's completely contrary to what he's talking about in the, at least on the podcast and what he's advocated for in the for the last however many years, seven years, right?
1: Right, but your purchase of the book leads to further fulfillment of what he's advocating against, basically.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah, it, uh, it just doesn't make. It, uh, I don't know, it's crazy. Um, I've got a funny story. For you actually about about tracking and it this could be completely a hundred percent coincidence right okay. so um a couple days ago my son well uh, last week at school my son's music teacher uh, discussed with them about uh, buying recorders for this year uh you know the little flute recorder that they yeah, were yeah. in an early elementary school music class um So they they had to buy some $6 recorders or something. Well, he found an old one here so he was playing around with that and and just uh, playing around with it, having fun, and we talked about it. But at no point did I or my wife or anybody search for anything to do with purchasing recorders because he's getting one through school. Right. $6, right? So we're just going to use the school's order form and everything. So uh, this was the middle of the week last week. So uh, Friday uh, I was on for our gaming night hanging out chatting with uh, with our friends and I just happened to scroll through my Facebook and in the middle of my Facebook feed is an advertisement for a recorder
1: <laughs> what
0: yeah, so wait
1: hold up hold up yeah how where was the reference to that in f- anywhere I, in Facebook's sphere
0: it, right I I mean I never searched for this on Facebook I mean it's nothing that my my wife talked about anyone needing to do recorders it was it was not a we didn't ask for recommendations or anything like that it, it, the, the only discussion that was had about this was in person and with my son in person and him playing the recorder around my house <laughs> what? so what? yeah so stranger still i mean i don't you know i'm i'm not a conspiracy theorist by any means and i do have an alexa but i don't know that wh- how alexa would be connected to facebook they seem very strongly to be competitors to me
1: so you can't sort out then how facebook no cuz clearly Look, I've never gotten an ad for a recorder in my life. The, no, is, me either. You have I've to never... use reason. You have to use reason and know that reasonably this isn't a coincidence. That's not tinfoil hat. We're using logic and reason that the coincidence of that obscurity plus its timing are too great for it to be. The odds of it being a you'd have to be a conspiracy theorist to think it's a a. a uh, uh, a, coincidence. Uh, a coincidence. Because yeah. clearly it has to be, given the timing and the obscurity of the item. Mm. So you don't know... I have
0: no idea how this appeared. Is it possible
1: your wife mentioned it on Facebook to a friend?
0: No, because she would tag me in just about everything she does. So...
1: Okay, that's right, seriously okay. weird, man. That is <laughs> super weird.
0: Yep, yep, very strange. I gotta admit. So, um, social media. We were talking about social media. You had something hanging there.
1: Yeah, yeah, Pretty and uh, this isn't gonna beat your story. I just thought it was fascinating, and hmm. I guess I can talk about it. There's nothing stopping me. But I, I wasn't working for Google. I was working for a different company. Mm -hmm. on a project for google which was the google Google wallet application when it was in beta
0: i remember this
1: yeah and it was just in beta it was the whole tap and pay type thing the Mm -hmm. nfc had just come out and the the program was in beta Mm -hmm. and we had a google representative come to our office and start talking about the product and expectations and now this Google representative flat out said that the success, the immediate success of the Google Wallet, was secondary to data mining. Yeah, and she used the words data mining. Mm-hmm. So if you can imagine that that there, this is a representative of Google saying we are the most important thing we're doing with this app is Mm -hmm. not delivering this service of convenience or blah, blah, blah. It is to see what people are purchasing. That's crazy, man, that that was their number one priority as stated by a Google rep, uh, to a, and, and not a low level Google rep. I'll just Mm -hmm. say that, Mm -hmm. um, that that was the priority For the program.
0: And you know how much of an Apple fanboy I am. Uh, And I do think to some extent Apple cares more about my privacy than Google does. But I don't trust them still. I still don't trust them. And I think that their care for my privacy at this point is as much of a marketing thing as it is a mission for them. Um, I think it's it sets them apart as their niche that they feel that they can capitalize in the market. Uh, and I don't think that they give two shits about marketing privacy in China. And I also think that as needed, uh, I think that they will hand over information as needed or as required anywhere else as well.
1: I would have the same thoughts, and not to take away from Apple or no. anything that, but I wouldn't trust any big uh, any corporation with my information to be truly benevolent about it. If mm-hmm. if they were, then they wouldn't collect. You know what I mean? Right. They wouldn't collect any information then, uh, and they would make it a real point not to. Instead of for these small victories, like ah, oh, we make it you know we're not complying look you know we're not complying with, with uh yeah. government outfit a b or c and uh you know and then make a big uh thing to do about it think if don't collect the information if if right. it's really if you're not going to sell it away or uh offer it up to someone on the eventual because right
0: and, know, and what, i think they do like i said i think they do care a a small amount about the privacy but not to the extent that they allow you to completely lock down your privacy they're still collecting information to either improve their products or uh, for whatever processing they need to do on the other end and if they really truly cared about privacy they would have a switch where i could completely turn off whatever I want to send to them. And yeah, yeah they exactly. they do let you opt out of sending to third parties and, and to data improvement programs with Apple, but they're still, you're still pinging GPS servers all the time. You're still pinging location servers. You're still, you know, there would be a way that I could turn everything off and it, they would make it clear if that was that much of a priority for them.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. And I think it's one thing to collect data for, product improvement but i think if you are doing those things you know then certainly give the choice so that i can say no and you you're not going to know where i am at any given moment of the day every day of my life you know Mm -hmm. what i mean
0: Mm -hmm. so the, the difficult part though is you know i think this stuff's important and i've thought about it for many years going back to The early 2000s or before then, um, I thought privacy was important. And and I read articles and papers on the EFF or the Electronic Frontier Foundation and from the ACLU and all of these other organizations that would uh, push for consumer privacy rights and internet rights and so on. Um, But what's more difficult is trying to maintain a life in modern internet usage and balance that with taking care of your privacy. Because I I think for us discussing it right now, we both agree that yeah, privacy is important to me and I don't want the government or Google or Apple or whoever it is spying on every freaking thing that I do online. Right. And worse, I don't want them spying on everything my child eventually does online.
1: Exactly.
0: You know, but at the same time, where do you draw the line? So, um, the GNU project or uh, GNU.org um, has a very famous. Um, I think he's the founder of it. Is Richard Stallman um, still also the the spokesperson and and does a lot of talks and he he's also a very huge privacy advocate um, and f- internet freedom advocate to the point that he also believes that all software that you should use should be free, right? Yep, and and free as in not just free to purchase, but free as in freedom, like to modify. And, right, so you and, can modify it. You can do whatever you want with the software. You can completely see what's in the code for the software, uh, which is a great way to maintain the integrity of your software, and know what it's doing uh, behind the scenes. But at the same time, they advocate all these these. Uh, writes almost to an extremist point of view. Um, and, and I'll share this with you. So uh, I uh, had an email exchange with him back in 2012, which I was very surprised, he emailed me back. He was uh, I didn't expect oh, it at wow. all, yeah. Oh. Um, and, and so I talked to him about, um, at the time my primary job wasn't working with computers, but a secondary portion of my job was kinda, it was basically as a system admin for a small company, probably about 100 people. Um, so I managed some of their business servers and point of sale systems, and uh, they had a bunch of different branches to the company. Um, I don't work there anymore. Um, so I talked to them about how, you know, this company had uses these non-free systems, their business systems. So they had some stuff through Microsoft and some other proprietary stuff. And uh, I said, you know, hey, you know, what could you do to, you know, what would you recommend for trying to push? consumer privacy and your GNU free software priorities, uh, but also maintaining uh, uh, your, your job at an occupation like this. And his response, any guesses? Uh,
1: mm, let me think about that for a half second.
0: <sighs> no. His response is, if it were me, I would refuse to do that work. <laughs> so wow just just that's it you you just can't work there you can't can't participate in that part of the society which i appreciate that i appreciate that he's he's that ardent in his views uh but at the same time i don't think that that's a reasonable solution to to tell people to work towards that that goal
1: no certainly not i don't think so either because um, uh, yeah, it, it would, that's impossible in some, you know, it's circumstances.
0: Almost religious at that point.
1: Yeah, I think it's, uh, going a bit far, but yeah, I don't know. Where do you draw the line? I think, um, it's hard, right? Cause can you legislate, uh, can you legislate this problem? I don't know. It's almost like a moral problem and you can't, uh,
0: it's, when people are are freely giving away their information on social media, I well, think that exactly. only justifies it their well, their data collection to an extent,
1: right? And but we're expecting, which is equally fool foolhardy, we're expecting these giant companies to be benevolent with that information, and. Uh, realistically obviously they're they're first and foremost is their shareholders and their money and their company and yep. um so i don't i don't know what the solution is to maybe as consumers we have to let some of the shit go we have to mm-hmm. say that there's more important things than convenience mm-hmm. uh, and on the social media front we don't even gain that much from it. You no. think really we have that much to gain by showing off the, the dinner that we cooked or, you know, like no. we're not. And and look, hey, we have friends we talk to on social media. I have friends. And uh, it really that's a big part of the reason I, I'm still around on some of the social media stuff is mm-hmm. just to talk with people. But you can talk to them. You could almost. I can go. I could probably go the rest of my life without making a Facebook post. Mm-hmm. I don't need that. I don't need to show what I'm eating, what my kid. I, if I want to sh- share that with his grandparents, or I can just do that. I don't know through. But then, but then here becomes the other problem. It almost doesn't matter what avenue I share it through anymore. It's all right. it's all monitored.
0: <laughs> exactly. So, exactly. And I think cutting out social media and stuff is, is very possible. Um, what's a little more difficult is what do you use for a phone? And that's the primary way that everybody is tracked. Everybody has a phone these days.
1: I know. And, you know, that that is a really tough one because I had an archaic phone, Mm -hmm. that really didn't do much outside of like it was like the first smartphone (laughs) you know but then I got a notice from my cell phone provider saying my cell phone would flat out not work (laughs) with their equipment anymore yeah and I had to they offered me a free upgrade which is the only reason uh, I took it was because my cell phone was going to just completely cease not to work or to work with their technology. Yeah. So I had to, but that's just it because you could say, "Yeah, I'll just use some basic thing," but they don't right. let you do that anymore. I tried no. that
0: route, and you're, we're really stuck between two providers now: between either running Android or iOS, mm-hmm. iPhone, Apple's iOS. And I don't think either are are the looking out for us as much as they should. No. So, so there's a third option that's coming out soon. Is
1: it called Cricket Wireless? Is that no. really big keys? Yeah.
0: yeah. No, what was the other one? Uh, I can't remember. There's ladybug. another one for old ladybug or something like that. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, actually it's called the Librem five by purism. And I mean, it doesn't look bad. It looks pretty well designed maybe a little thick, but it's a, uh, It's a completely Linux phone built around pure OS, and it's uh, fully, quoting the website here, a fully free, ethical, and open-source operating system, not based on Android or iOS. Hmm. And so you're supporting a future of digital privacy, uh, etc. So everything on the phone is supposedly uh, free and open, and open-source, except for... um, there's like one part of the the bootloader or something for the modem that is closed source, but um, the way that they get around that not being uh, okay for their their mission statement is that it's not updatable. So I don't know. Interesting.
1: Interesting. Okay.
0: I mean, and it doesn't it doesn't look bad. I guess the the hardware isn't overly impressive. I mean, you're looking at something comparable to one of the newer Raspberry Pis, probably. Maybe a little better than that. Um, which isn't bad by any means um, for running a phone, and, and I think it's it's good to have it as an option, uh, but it's also pretty expensive. I think it's going to be like $700, Ooh, $800, maybe. Really? Okay, yeah.
1: yeah. See, that's tough, because if for those things to matter, it really has to take off for, mm. for, with consumers. And for one, that's a steep price tag. Mm. I mean, that's something maybe, you know, that could have a niche. But is that going to disrupt the market enough to cause change is my first question. Right. You know, like with thinking about something like that. And uh, yeah. boy, that's a steep.
0: Yeah. So, um, yeah, it is. It's its 6 ninety nine. 99 um... But it's backordered on the website. Really? So hmm. that's a that's a pretty good sign, I guess. Yeah, that is
1: certainly. Uh, hmm. I think that's fantastic. I think that would be. A, I would love for something like that to take off and hmm. to just uh, have total flexibility with the platform and the phone and uh, you know, and total privacy. I think hmm. that would be amazing. Hmm.
0: Um, yeah, and uh, I wouldn't consider switching to Android, but. I mean depending on how things go I, that might be a an option for me to consider. Switching to Android,
1: yeah.
0: No, switching to the this Librem phone. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So um the only other thing I guess um, we can wrap up with this part of the the topic is um of course as much as we talk about mobile it, years ago it was them tracking everything we do on our computers which they're still doing. Uh I don't know what browser you use, I use Firefox which um, I do like and it's got some built-in tracking protection stuff that it's using now and it's pretty eye-opening that every web page that you visit has some kind of social media tracker or cross-site tracking cookies and yes, cetera, exactly
1: you know? yeah, yeah, super cookies and yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, you can't get away from it, man Um, I use the absolute probably worst I could be using, which is Chrome. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: Which isn't a bad browser.
1: No, I like it from a functionality standpoint. Mm -hmm. But all I'm doing is tying more shit into Google. I already have a Google Assistant. And I I use their Google... uh, Docs suite or Google, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, uh, Google Docs all the time, and the sheer amount of shit I have tied into Google is staggering. Yep.
0: Uh,
1: everything I browse, um, everything, every document I build is usually with Google Docs. I started I literally... using
0: uh, Duck DuckDuckGo for search, at least on my phone. I still use Google on my desktop, but um, and it's surprisingly good. It works really well. Did it see? you
1: know uh i'm I need to not use uh Google search, but i I'm such a shitty, typical consumer. The minute I can't find, I'm just like, man, this you know God, this search engine sucks compared to, <laughs> and you know just the minute I can't find exactly what I'm looking for, yeah. I'm back to Google and I'm yeah. just. Uh, yeah, I hear and, you. and so here I gripe about video game consumers and not voting with their dollars, but mm-hmm. what I need to do if I can even begin to make that argument is to stop using Google shit because yep. um, I have so much tie-in with their software that they can smell what I fucking ate for breakfast, man,
0: you know, yep, yep I agree I, well uh, I, and I think the big jump for me i I started talking a little bit about Windows and uh. Linux has really become pretty viable even as a gaming platform at this point. Steam's been pushing it. Valve has been pushing it with Steam very hard. Um, and pretty much, uh, I've been through some... There's some websites where you can uh, load up your Steam library and it'll show you which games in your library will run fine on Linux. And a surprising majority of them will. So Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, One of the big holdups for me right now is Destiny 2. Um, And it would, I think, run fine, but Bungie's anti-cheat trackers will figure out if you're running on Linux through Wine because people can load cheats through that Wine loader or whatever, and they'll, they'll ban your account. Damn it. But beyond that, I mean, pretty much all the games I was playing, other than that, in recent memory when i checked it looked into this the last time would run absolutely fine on linux hmm,
1: maybe it is becoming a lot more viable which would be nice because my entire life that's been the one reason i haven't picked up a linux distro and just gone with that because more and more and more holy shit more and more is microsoft just totally getting every little bit of information they can on you mm-hmm. uh, the between Cortana and. Oh, dude, it's absurd. And one time I figured out how to disable Cortana. I actually, because uh, what happens is, I mean, totally disable it. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to end the task, which appears immediately after you end the task. Mm-hmm. So you have to delete the specific folder in which the data exists for the Cortana, uh, if you want to call it an application. or It's really integrated into the software, though, Mm. into the operating system. So I managed to delete and remove Cortana entirely. But guess what? Cortana is tied to Windows 10 Mm -hmm. Search. (laughs) So I could no longer do local searches for files or folders through windows. Right. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, I hate Microsoft right now."
0: Yep. Yep. I agree. So, I think that's I think I beat that into the ground. Jeez man, we're we're pushing on well past an hour and a half now.
1: Yeah, we should, you know, it's funny I still could feel like I could talk about the privacy stuff, you know, another yeah. 3 hours, but
0: you know, I think I think I am gonna try to make a few steps towards locking some stuff down or or pushing off uh, social media a little more. So maybe it's something we can revisit again.
1: Yeah, you know what? I almost feel like <sighs> not a New Year's resolution, I hate that kind of shit. Yeah, but I, I feel know. like an ag- something for myself, a goal hmm. that I that I could really set for myself is to get out of um, these big companies fears, whether it's Facebook, Google, and just do things uh, more autonomously, but just more privately, you know, Mm. even the simple things, um, cell phones are really tricky and I don't know how to mitigate that, but I can mitigate a lot of the other stuff.
0: Right. Uh, Well, and And I think you can mitigate some of the stuff on the cell phone by just locking down some of your apps a little more, you know? Um, whether it's uh, just not oversharing stuff, but maybe trying to to work on using more two-factor authentication or password manager stuff, um, and locking down how many apps have location to your your uh, your location and everything. And to yeah. Apple's credit, with their newest update, they've done a lot to to manage that a little bit they'll remind you that hey this fitness app that you haven't used in 2 months is asking for your location in the background all the time do you Ooh. still want it to do that and you put yeah. no i'm good um another thing that they've added is hey um app uh, facebook for instance is asking to use bluetooth do you want to allow facebook to use bluetooth and at first oh. you're like well i guess i don't know i mean if it wants to play through a bluetooth speaker or something shouldn't it be allowed to but uh it's actually not using bluetooth for sound when it's asking that for that prompt it's actually using bluetooth to try to determine your location through nearby devices
1: wow that's bullshit (laughs) isn't that oh my god really
0: really really holy shit Yep.
1: That's kind of fucked up,
0: man. Is, and just how covertly they're going about it because, you know, people are turning off location services and, and trying to manage their privacy a little bit. So they go around in another sneaky way to say, oh, well, we'll look at their Wi-Fi networks or try to, you know, even use short range Bluetooth to determine that. Oh, hey, look, they're near the McDonald's pay kiosk.
1: Wow. That's a little shocking, actually. Mm. i did not know that and uh that's pretty astounding that's fucking sneaky man (laughs) uh wow i didn't i didn't know that was a thing uh it's good of apples to have their device kind of warn you those things yep but uh that's messed up man i don't even know what to say to that
0: yeah well i don't know i think i'm gonna try to clean it up a little bit and uh, maybe we'll talk about that again next next time or in a few weeks or something See if we've made any changes at all. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, are you still using Chrome? Yeah. Yeah. Are you, <laughs> I, know, I know, but I you know, genuinely I am willing to I think if all consumers said "Ah, uh, no one's going to do it, it's not worth it, mm-hmm. then then nothing changes, but here's here's the reality of it. If everyone started using and I'm not saying everyone has to do this, but just as an extreme example, if everyone started using a Linux distro tomorrow, well, then mm. Linux would be the next big thing, right? No.
0: So yeah, no, absolutely. It's,
1: it's all in our hands. It's all in our hands.
0: Well, and, and unfortunately, I think it will take a major event to to cause people to care about it. Um, and I, I would have expected that Like the Snowden revelations would have been that major event uh, and somehow they weren't. But I think at some point something's going to come around to either be further eye opening or some horrible abuse of power will cause people to say, hey, how do we reclaim a little bit of our privacy and private citizen status?
1: Right. Well, there's almost a pessimist in me who says that won't even matter. You know, we'll get distracted a week later from some other some fabricated nonsense Mm -hmm. like Donald Trump being re, you know, re, re, re reelected or whatever (laughs) it is. And then, you know, we'll move on and forget all about it and and be complacent. And because we'll be given little token gadgets to entertain ourselves with so we don't have to think about this shit
0: yep yeah the next new shiny bauble
1: yeah exactly i and maybe i'm overly pessimistic but boy some days and sometimes really feels like there's no way around uh i I don't want to be that pessimistic i'll just say let's be let's hope for the
0: best yep yeah (laughs) let's hope For the best. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we ought to wrap this up, man. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. They got a little long in the tooth there, but it was good to talk to you, man. Um, Next time, I want to talk about Epic v Steam v, etc. But thanks for your dialogue, man.
0: Thanks for going on this quest with me. Awesome. We'll go on (laughs) our our next Epic Galaxy dialogue quest uh, next week. Sounds good, my man. Enjoy the rest of your night. All right. Love you, man. You too, bro. Talk to you
1: soon. Bye.